This weekend is a very incredible weekend because this weekend we are launching the Plus One initiative here in Cornerstone. And essentially, it is about evangelism. You know, the pastors and the leadership of the church we met at the beginning of this year and we unanimously agreed that one of the things that we really need to focus on this year is evangelism and to build a culture of evangelism that is here in Cornerstone. Amen. And it's our desire that every person here in Cornerstone develops a personal lifestyle of evangelism that is natural, that's easy, it is not compelled, it is not forced, but it is something that we would just willingly and, and you know, passionately be doing as part of something that is very natural, not just an event, not just a special initiative, but something that flows naturally from every one of us. Well, this weekend, I want to ask you to turn with me to Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to verse 11, verses 1 to verse 11. I want to share to you about the calling that God had when He uh, spoke to uh, uh, Peter and his companions and called them not to be apostles, but to be fishers of men. Okay, again, I want to apologize. Uh, I've got a little bit of a squeaky voice because there's been a little bit of a cough running in my home and I finally caught it after my kids have, uh, after it's made its round around with my kids, okay? So if my voice squeaks somewhat, uh, forgive me, this is not my natural voice, okay? But let's read uh, uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 1, verse 11. In verse 1, it begins as such. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of uh, Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down, he taught the multitudes from the boat. And he stopped speaking. He said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to, the, to him, Master, we have toyed all night and caught nothing. Nonetheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Then Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so also were James uh, and John, the sons of Zebedee, and they were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now, this is an amazing account because like I mentioned, this is an account in which the Lord calls these men, not as apostles, not into full-time ministry, but He calls them to become fishers of men. And I think that if we were to examine these uh, couple of verses and this particular passage, we would also hopefully hear the call of God for every one of us that God's calling all of us to be fishers of men and women. Amen. God may not call all of us into full-time ministry. He would call some, but He surely calls every single one of us to become fishers of men and women. I want to give you five things this weekend, and hopefully by the grace of God and by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, God will put a burden in all our hearts for the work of evangelism. Amen? The first thing is this, that we would be willing to be interrupted. You see, the backdrop to this account is that Peter and his companions dead fished all night, and they had caught nothing. It was daytime, their work hours were over, they were already in the process of cleaning up their nets, setting them aside and, going, and getting ready to go back home to sleep because they're going to work again in the evening. They were closing shop for the day. 
Now, can I make this clear for all of us? Peter and his companions did not just return from some holiday vacation where they are leisurely fishing uh, uh, off their boats, okay? They were not using rod sinkers and hooks and having sandwiches around them and, you know, whether they catch or not catch, it makes no difference. No, they were not men like that. They were commercial fishermen and they carried with them heavy nets they would cast these nets over, they would pull the nets in, and then they would drag them onto the boat, and then they'll pick out the fishes that are there, sort out the nets, and cast it out again, and pull it in, and then uh, drag it on board. And they will do this over, and over, and over, and over, all night until dawn. Amen. So along comes Jesus, and in verses 1 to verse 3, we are told that He asked Peter for the use of his boat so that Jesus could speak to the crowd and teach to the multitudes that were gathered there. Now, I'm not sure how many of us appreciate this, of how inconvenient uh, Peter was, how inconvenienced Peter was. Can you imagine and put yourself in Peter's shoes? You had toyed all night. You're tired. It's bedtime. You're packing up. Everything is tidied up. You pulled the boat onto shore. You probably anchored it, cleaned out all the stuff. And now, now Jesus says, hey, can I have your boat? Can you bring me out? You know, and the, and the thing is this, you know, it was, it, didn't, it was nothing glamorous. It didn't require any special skills. In fact, any number of people could have done this. Why me? Why inconvenience me to such a menial task? Jesus isn't calling Peter to preach. He's call, not calling Peter to perform any miracles. He's just calling Peter to be, a, uh, to be the guy who would roll the boat out so that Jesus can preach. Now, I think that this is something that speaks to every one of us because all of us find ourselves in some kind of a situation like that as well. We are all busy people, amen? No? This is the number one thing you ask. I mean, how are you doing? Oh, busy, busy. I'm tired, you know? We're all busy. We're all tired. And I'm certain that if any of us are worth our sort, we've toyed all night. We've toyed all through the week and all through the month. And here we are in the middle of our responsibility. We are occupied with our legitimate work that we are employed to do. This is about our livelihood. But yet in the midst of this, the question is this. Would you be willing to be interrupted and troubled? Will you be willing to be inconvenienced that even if you have a deadline waiting for you, are you willing to be interrupted by the Lord? Because I want to say this, there is no possibility, no possibility of an encounter if you are not willing to be interrupted by the Lord. If you want things to run smoothly, if you want things to run according to the plan, by the book, according to the schedule, following the timing, I tell you that you can kiss goodbye to any genuine God encounter in your life. Amen. I want to tell you that every time I've encountered the Lord, it's always because I was willing to be interrupted into some kind of an inconvenience. I had everything planned out. I got everything scheduled. And then the Lord shows up and says, stop, I want you to do something else. Amen. You know, the willingness, think about this. If Moses hadn't turned aside to the burning bush, we were not here of Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. If Rebecca had not been willing to not only help a stranger that she's never met, but not only that, but to go beyond and water all his camels, Rebecca would never have been chosen to marry Isaac. Amen. And likewise, when it, comes to when it comes to being a fisher of men and women, we must first be willing to be interrupted and to be inconvenienced. I'm telling you this, none of us will ever receive a burden for the loss if we are not willing to be interrupted by the Lord. So I'm saying to you right now, set in your heart the sight this morning to say, Lord, anytime you want to, you can interrupt my schedule and I'll make time for you. 
Because without that, there is no burden. And let me tell you, evangelism is not some kind of a menial, tedious task that we think to ourselves as a Christian, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. No, evangelism is supposed to be life-giving. We should be, we should be automatically moved towards it. It's not something for which we need to churn out some kind of enthusiasm for it. But there has to be something genuine in our hearts whereby we see the loss and the reality of an eternity in hell is so real to us that we are compelled and we are moved by compassion to preach the gospel. Amen. And how can we receive that compassion if we are not willing to be interrupted by the Lord? Now, the second thing I want to bring, out, bring to us out of this account is this, you've got to let your nets down. Now here's a wonderful piece of wisdom. Nets that are not in the water, don't catch fishes. Isn't it obvious? But isn't it also very profound? The question is this, have you got your nets in the water? There's so many of us, we've got everything, you know, the, for the next um, month or year or two years that we're going to be working on this to build a culture here in Cornerstone. I'm going to tell you, we're going to try and inspire you guys about evangelism. We're going to share testimonies. We're going to have equipping tools for you. We're going to do this cell course called Natural Evangelism and teach you three simple steps. So simple, pray, care, share. Any one of us can do this. But all this is useless if you wouldn't let your nets down. All this is useless if you walk past all the people around you and not open your eyes to see the needs that are around. If you wouldn't take a genuine interest, that's what it means. You see, so many of us, we've got the latest fishing tool. We've got the nicest rod. We've got the most durable sinker and the most attractive bait. But guess what? We're not, putting our, 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 we're not putting the bait in the water. We're not putting our nets in the water. And as long as you don't put your nets in the water, you ain't catching no fish. American. Here's something for all of us to consider. The primary reason that you and I are left here on the earth is to fish. You see, in this life, we can learn about God. We can learn to endure hardship. We can learn about our walk with God. We learn to worship the Lord in spite of whatever circumstances. We come to church. We are disciples. We become the body of Christ. And all these things are part and parcel of what it becomes, what it means to be a Christian. But I want to suggest to you that the primary, the most fundamental, the most important reason that He left us here on earth is to fish. That's the main reason. You see, you can learn about worshipping here on earth, but I'm telling you, when you go to heaven, the heaven, the worship in heaven is unmatched by any worship you ever experience on earth. Amen? Whatever you would learn in, in, here on earth, I want to tell you, when you go to heaven and you behold God with unveiled eyes, you will see things about God that you will never be able to see here on the earth. Now, I'm not saying that all these things are not uh, important and, and all, these, all these things are unnecessary. They're all totally necessary, but I want to say that there is one thing you can't do in heaven. You cannot fish when you go to heaven. Only those who are born again who believe in Jesus Christ are going to be found in heaven. And you and I, we are plan A. There is no plan B. God entrusted the gospel to the church. And if we don't do our job, nobody else is going to do it. The gospel message will become extinct if we will not open our mouths and preach the gospel. You see in Luke chapter 19 verse 10, you know what? We are told why Jesus came to earth. Jesus came down to fish as well. Our Lord Himself came down to catch fish. And this must be something that we are doing. The third thing I want to bring to us is don't argue, just obey. Peter said in Luke chapter 5, verse 5, Master, we have toyed all night. We have caught nothing. Nevertheless, on your word, we, I will let down the net. You see, Peter wasn't arguing with the Lord. He was merely stating a fact to the Lord. He's saying that we have toyed all night. You know, and if you're a fisherman, you know this night is the best time to fish, isn't it? 
And they're, and they're professional fishermen. They know where to fish. They know where the schools found. And yet they've toiled all night. They've caught nothing. And yet he was not saying to Jesus and giving excuses, but he's merely stating a fact. You see, when it comes, you know, it, when it comes to evangelism, we need to get over all our excuses. We need to get over all our reasoning concerning evangelism or witnessing. Doesn't matter if, if you've been turned down a hundred times or you've been snubbed. Doesn't matter if you've not seen much success up till now. Doesn't matter if you have not, you're not the smartest. Doesn't matter if you're not the most eloquent. You know, quit giving excuses when the Lord says, let down your net, let down your net, and start fishing. Amen. Now, one of the things about evangelism is that when you begin to evangelize to people, you're going to realize this, that you're going to encounter a lot of sinners. Amen. You're going to meet all kinds of people, and the people that need the gospel the most are the people who are the sinning the worst. Amen. People who are getting drunk, people who are messed up in their lives. And can I say this? When you encounter sin in sinners, don't be shocked. There's something about Christians that we are very shocked by sin. You know, when we were fostering at that time, there were a lot of uh, foster parents who were Christians, you know, and you would give up their foster kids. And the, the authorities would ask them, why are, you, why are you not taking this kid anymore? Oh, this kid lies a lot, tells lies. If, if they don't tell lies, they don't need a foster. They won't be in trouble. They won't need a foster parent. Precisely, the foster kids have all kinds of issues, right? And there's something about Christians. Sometimes we can't stand sin, right? But incidentally, can I tell you this? We were all once sinners, and we all became so good at sinning that after becoming Christians, we we'll still spend many a lot of our time working towards quitting our sin. Yes. Come on, be honest. I know lots of you are still working on quitting on some of the sin that is there in your life. So am I. So let's not get shocked about the sin that is in sinners because they are sinners. Amen. Don't argue with sinners. Don't criticize. Don't get uncomfortable with them. Do what Jesus did. Jesus just goes and He loves the sinners. We don't wash the fish until we catch the fish first. Amen. I know this is obvious, but I'm telling you this, Christians, we don't know this. We do the opposite. Once there was a story told by an elder of a church in America, who was in the construction business. One day he gets a call from this lady to have a meeting with her to discuss about a new building that she wanted to, uh, to have constructed. When, she, when he put the phone down, he felt like the name really rung a bell, was so familiar. So he ran by the name with his wife and says, do you know this name? And, and found out that, the, that she was a leading abortion activist in the state of Dallas. Leading abortion activist. And when he found out about this, he realized that he really couldn't take on the project that this lady was asking him to do because he probably wanted him to build an abortion clinic. But nonetheless, he decided, hey, you know, I'm going to meet this lady. I'm going to talk to her. None, you know, even though I can't build this, probably, but I still am going to meet her. So he went to her office and he managed to confirm with her that she did indeed want him to build an abortion clinic. He explained to her that he's a believer and because he's a believer, he's unable to take on this project. And then he said this to her. She said, I have a word of God for you. I have a word of God for you. Now, when he said that to her, immediately he saw her face harden and change. And she began to brace herself for what he's about to say because this, what happened is this uh, elder did not realize is that this woman has received so many criticism from Christians. She's been called all kinds of names. She's been condemned to hell, cursed many times because of uh, the fact that she's an activist for abortion. Called all kinds of names, especially by Christians and not just from the state of Dallas, but from all over the United States. She's heard many times, God hates you. 
what you're doing is cursed and you will go to hell for all these things that you'll do. But when this elder began to speak to her, instead of the usual condemnation, this elder began to tell her that God loves her, that God sees what she's gone through in her childhood and began to prophesy and spoke a word of knowledge into her life and about what God's plans are for her. And the amazing thing is this woman, true story, broke down and she began to cry. Shortly after this meeting, it came out on the papers in the, in the state of Dallas, leading abortion advocate quits the business. Because the reason is this, we are called to go fish and we are fishing with the love of God. Amen. So when we start determining in ourselves here in Cornerstone to say that, hey, we're going to start fishing, we're going to start witnessing to people, I guarantee we'll begin to meet some of the most unsavory people that you can imagine. People that don't line up with your value system. People who are rough, who are hard, who are difficult. Right? And I'm telling you, some of you, you meet clients and they're so nasty and God will say to you, reach out to them. <laughs> reach this person. Why? But that's exactly the thing. I'm telling you this, when you look at people on the outside, you cannot begin to discover what is on the inside. Don't judge them on the outside. Only God knows. Pray for them. God will give you a word for them. Amen? Why do you think we do a school of prophetic ministry? Is it so that we can prophesy to one another? No! We do a school of prophetic ministry so that it can become a toolbox for you so that when you go out to the non-Christians, you can use it on them. I don't need another prophetic word. I can hear from God for myself. It's the non-Christians who need a prophetic word because they can't hear from God. Today, if they sing a very high-pitched song, I can hear it. Today, I'm soprano. <laughs> the fourth thing I want to encourage us is to give glory to God. You see, in Luke chapter 5, verse 8, it says, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now, if you read this uh, premise of this, you will discover this is very strange. Simon Peter is telling Jesus, Go, 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 leave me. You know, and it would, it would just, I think it's just the silliest thing that you would have heard. The reason for Peter saying this, Jesus leave me is because he realizes that he's a sinful man. Now, I think that's weird. That's really funny because if you, are, if you found yourself sinful, all the more you need Jesus. Amen? Because he's the only one who can rub away the sin. He's the only one who can forgive us and cleanse us. And yet Peter is asking him to stay. So I think that's not exactly what Peter is saying. I think what Peter is saying to Jesus, Jesus, you did this. I didn't do it. His acknowledgement is that, hey, we're sinking. The boats are all full. And I know as an expert fisherman toyed all day, this does not happen. The fishes didn't come because of me. The fishes came because you are doing something. He was trying to say that this harvest of fish is not because of himself by all his abilities as a fisherman, but rather it is a supernatural miracle that came from Jesus. Amen. And the number one thing that offends people is pride. And the number one thing that attracts people is humility. You see, Jesus is the most holy person to have ever lived, but he never had a holier-than-thou attitude, even though he is holier-than-thou, okay? And Jesus had the humility, and that's why the people were attracted to him. They flocked to him. They simply loved him because he never was prideful. And because when you have humility, your walls are low, people like to be around you. And I don't know how many times, you know, all of us have experienced this, where we are doing something for the first time, maybe doing a presentation, maybe making a sales pitch, and we prayed hard, and we said, Lord, help me, help me, help me. And God helped you, and you did great. And people came up to you and said to you, hey, you did a great job. And then you begin to think, actually, I'm not too bad, huh? Actually, oh, wow, I'm far better than what I think I am, you know? 
And I want to tell you, so many Christians experience the blessing of God once and never again because instead of passing it on and giving glory to God, they kept it for themselves. And there is something about this attitude of humility that is so necessary as we step out to want to have a culture of evangelism here in Cornerstone because we need to learn to give God the glory and we must not take the credit for us. Amen. And the gospel shows us clearly that sin is love being around Jesus. Amen. There's something about Him. I want to ask you this. Do non-Christians like being around you? Be honest. Do people like being around you? Go around and start ask somebody, hey, be honest with me. Do you like being around me? <laughs> you know, the mirror is one of the greatest inventions ever. If something stained on your face, look in the mirror, you'll know. And the same thing, feedback is one of the greatest things that you can get. And someone comes up and tells you, hey, there's this thing that is not very nice about you, and then you would be able to correct it. Amen? Yep. So I want to encourage us, humility, because as you go to serve people, as you go to share with people, if you have an attitude that it is Jesus that's going to do it, and you have an attitude of humility, I'm telling you, something opens up in you. You take the first step. You, don't, you go love people. You give people, you know, let people go ahead of you. Right? In a queue, you know, let them go first. When, when the cup is full and there's one lot left, you give the lot up for somebody else. There's all these kind of things that we understand as Christians, but I'm telling you, it goes a long way towards opening doors for us to reach the lost because I'm telling you that the, the message must come in synchrony with the character as well. Amen? The fifth thing I want to bring to us is these three words, forsake, follow, and fish. Jeremiah 16, 16 tells us an amazing scripture and, and, he, and the, uh, you know, the prophet prophesies this about how there's going to be so many fishermen that's going to be raised up. And I'm telling you, God is going to do this and He's got great applications for us. Can you imagine this? We have, I don't know what, 2,800 people in our cell groups and if all of us go through the natural evangelism course and all of us begin to do it and every one of us just picks three people and start praying for three people and somewhere through the rest of this year, invite them to church, share the gospel with them and if 50% of us are successful in leading one person to salvation this year, it will be almost 1,500 new people added to the kingdom of God. The mathematics sound, look so simple, but I'm telling you this, it requires for all of us to be doing the work because the problem is this, with this mathematics is that 2,800 people go through the course and then 1,400 people go and do it. The other 50% never do. Right? Or worse still, even lesser do that, but the prophet prophesies that there is coming a time where there's going to be so many fishermen that, you know, that we're going to really go out and fish and that's what God is entrusting us to do. But can I say this also to you? That if you are not fishing, then I want to suggest to you that you really are not following Jesus Christ. You can come to church, you can pay your tithes, you can lift up your hands and worship God. But if you are not fishing, you're probably not following Jesus because Jesus said to Peter, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. Because if you're following Jesus, He'll naturally make you a fisher of men and women. You cannot go through your day if you're following Jesus and being with Jesus that he, somehow His compassion, His passion, people doesn't get infected into you. You will not be able to walk by people on the streets or in, the, you know, in your offices and not sense something about the Lord's heart for them. If you're following Jesus, the problem is this, we go to office in the morning, we tuck Jesus into our closet. In fact, we put Him in our little Bibles, put Him in our bag, we bring them to office, but He never gets to come out. 
And that's not following Jesus. Following Jesus means He leads, we follow. Amen. And the result of following Jesus is that He will make us fishers of men. But you see, if you're not following Jesus, if you're not fishing, then you're not following Jesus. And if you're not following Jesus, then I'm inclined to think this, that you're not forsaking either because the disciples had to first forsake all that they are doing before they are able to follow Jesus. And then in following Jesus, they become fishers of men. So the real question is this, what, are you, what is it that you and I are holding on to and unwilling to let go of? Is it our reputation? Is it our pride? Is it the inconvenience? Is it the fact that we really, really don't want to follow Jesus because His agenda will begin to take a hold of us instead of our own agenda? What is stopping you and I from becoming disciples and, become, and becoming part of God's army of fishermen? Proverbs tells us the sun who sleeps in the harvest brings shame. You see, fishing is God's plan for your life and for my life. This weekend, I want to ask all of us to do five things. There is no altar call. This is not something to put you on a guilt trip. Like I said, you know, if God doesn't come and do a, put a burden in your heart and my heart, this is not sustainable. If you don't walk by people and feel a natural sense of compassion and a burden for them, you cannot force this. We can push and push and push. It will never take off. And it requires for us to be willing to have an encounter with Jesus Christ so that we would receive the burden of the mission ourselves. It requires for us to forsake and to follow Him. And in following Jesus, He will naturally make us fishermen. If you are following Jesus, I guarantee you this, you will become a fisherman. Every time I switch on my, you know, my, my Instagram, I'm scrolling through it, I see people that I know who are no longer in church. And my heart feels for them and I'm thinking about them all the time. I'm praying for them. And when the time comes, I always give them a text. Last Yesterday, I gave this young man a text. Four points about what God is telling him about. Or four points that God is telling me about him. Right? And I'm telling you this, if you're following Jesus, you will have a burden for people. So I want to ask us to do five things today. The first thing is whip out your handphone. And there is a Telegram channel. Scan it. Be a part of this. Okay? Another thing to follow. Yes, another thing to follow. Be willing to be the inconvenience. Don't mute it, okay? I promise you in this thing, we're going to limit the amount of things that we post three times a week. That's it. Tuesdays, we're going to do something called face-to-face -face in which one of us, is, our pastors are going to come on and we're going to share something with you, okay? And along the way, we're going to share testimonies and tools and things like that. And, 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 you know, small, short, easy for you to consume. Wednesdays, we're just going to give you a highlight of the week and Fridays, we'll tell you what the services are going to be like over the weekend, okay? And that's all. We won't flood it. We won't spam it. There'll be nothing more than that, okay? At least for now, okay? And, uh, and then we'll see how we can best serve you all through this. So get on the Telegram channel. Number two, get on board with the cell course, Natural Evangelism. If you are a cell leader, if you're part of a cell group, you know, get going for this April, May. If you're not in a cell group, it's okay. All you need to do is gather a few friends. This book is available at FaithWorks for $13.20. You can afford this. You can buy a couple of copies. You can give to a few people and gather them around, even if you're not a cell, because this is a self-study course. And all you do when you come together is discuss what you have done, what you have learned. That's all, right? And go purchase this straight away if you are like me and you are a Kindle person, available on Kindle as well. I think it's a little bit cheaper than this. <clears throat> 
The next thing is that we have got evangelism causes that we are lined up right through the different quarters. The first one that's coming up is by Pastor Benny Ho, and that is going to be how to give away your faith. 9, 16, 23rd May, you can sign up right now. Registrations are open. You know, if you don't feel confident, go for these causes. It'll help you. The fourth thing to do is that as you go through a natural evangelism cause, you need to, what you need to do is to put together a list of unsafe people that you want to reach out to. And I want to encourage you to begin from the innermost circle, starting from Jerusalem, Judea, and unto the utter ends of Samaria. Begin with family members who are not yet born again, who, are not, who do not yet know Jesus. Put them on a list around with you so that you can pray for them. If you forget about this, put three alarms through the day. When you wake up in the morning, look at the list of people and pray for them and says, Lord, today, encounter them, open their hearts. Lunchtime, when you're, and you're saying grace, instead of just giving thanks for the food, give thanks for this list of people and start praying for them. I want to encourage you, begin to do that because as you do that, then I'm telling you, you as you feel this burden for them, as you pray for them daily, soon you will want to call them up. Soon an opportunity will surface for you to connect with them and to pray for them and to speak to them, begin to build bridges and to build friendship. And finally, note down these dates. These are the plus one weekends. Again, we want to say this. Evangelism is not event-based. We want this to be a lifestyle. We want all of us to be doing evangelism right throughout the week. When you hop into a grab, when you are on the bus, do evangelism. It should flow naturally after a while. But hey, if you need a little bit of help, we've got these five weekends. We have planned from now to the end of the week, a year. They're called Plus One Weekends. In all of these weekends, the worship set will be different. It will be totally focused and talking about Jesus. We'll be preaching the gospel. We'll make sure people have a chance to receive salvation. And we'll make it as easy as possible for non-Christians to come on those weekends so you can invite someone that you have been praying for, someone that you've been reaching out and caring for, and you can bring them for these events. Amen. Easy. <laughs> you know, this is not a weekend to feed ourselves. This is a weekend for the, for the whole church to come together and say, hey, we have a mission. Most weekends here in Cornerstone, we give you food, we feed you spiritually, you know, we worship the Lord, we do that, and we, we still do it this weekend, but here this weekend is different. This weekend across all our services, we're bringing the church into a single alignment concerning the task that God has given to us. This is our responsibility. Amen. We are the only organization here on the earth that exists for non-members. Amen. We are the only organization here on this planet that exists for non-members, not for members. Yep. And I want to encourage us, let's all stand to our feet. There is a great task that is ahead for us. And it is so important for us to embrace this task with passion, with joy. This is not burdensome. The Lord says, my, my burden is light and easy. It doesn't wear us down. There is joy. Many times as Christians, we say this, we cannot bring anything to heaven with us. I want to say that that is a wrong statement. There are many things that we can bring with us to heaven. Amen. And the things that we bring to heaven are the people that we have reached out to. Every salvation, every one that we lead into an experience of the Holy Spirit, every person that we've discipled and sown into their lives, these people we bring before the Lord, they come with us, the works follow us with, into our entrance into heaven, into eternity. Amen. 
But it's not just about those things, it's about the divine task that God has given to us. Jesus died for the whole world, not just for us. And He calls us to preach it and to make it known. And it is our task to do it. We must not shun it. We must not shirk it. We must not forget it. We must not mission drift. This is our mission to preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ under the ends of the earth and to make His name known. One waters, one sows, but God is the one who gives the increase. It's not yours nor my responsibility to determine how a person comes into salvation. We just need to be faithful to preach and to sow and to water into people's lives and God will do the work. The Holy Spirit will convict the people. Amen. But may the Lord give us such a burden. May the Lord cause us to see the need so that it is not something for which we are compelled to do. It's something for which we have embraced to want to do. Amen. We're going to sing one song together and we're going to worship the Lord. And as we worship the Lord, what do we bring to the Lord in our worship? We bring a surrendered heart. We bring our hearts lifted up, our songs, the fruit of our lips giving thanks. But I want to say this, we can bring this before the Lord, that we are making His name known upon this earth. Amen? And let's worship the Lord. And as we do this, I want to encourage us this weekend to come on board. You know, this is not a one weekend thing. We hope to do this for the next two, three years as we focus on this because it takes time to build a culture. Amen? It takes time to build this into a lifestyle. To not, to, this weekend is just the launch and we're going to keep this in your face and we're going to help everybody come on board on this. Amen? Just listen to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.